Hello, friends and enemies. This is Alfred Judson coming to you from the future. Uh, as an editor, I wanted to drop in a note and let you know that there's a lot of background noise in this episode. It was very unavoidable. Some of it's really cute, like my dog making noises as he plays and uh, tumbles around and gets drinks in the in the living room while we're recording. Some of it's less cute like uh car alarms so i just wanted to say heads up um also we're back and we'll see you soon bye and girls we're back we're not dead we're not dead i thought we were dead there for a little bit we're not dead we're not dead no oh episode 71 yeah. nerd pod generations coming right at you through the power of your radios or, or your whatever phones or whatever you're listening to i know i'm stuck back in the 1980s isn't quite that anymore um <laughs> so folks thank you for for listening in uh, we apologize for the last couple weeks two weeks ago al bailed me out because mm-hmm. it was the first week of school with the kiddies so I just could not record an episode. You did that great episode of the football preview. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that. Of course. But then last week, you had the plague. I got the plague. And I, everyone, I don't know if, if you've listened to past episodes, you'll know this. I've talked about this. I cannot record by myself. Uh-huh. Just hearing my own voice makes me want to shoot myself. So I cannot do that. So I am, we took another week off. So two solid weeks of not this lovely rapport. And it's been it's been a, a vacuum in my life. Oh, it's been a void. It. It's been, been an awful. absolute void. Yeah. I've been very sad. Cuz I've been keep, I keep talking about nerd stuff with people. I know. And I'm like that's you're not who I want to talk about this. You know what I'm realizing? Huh. We never introduced ourselves. Well, they know who we are. No, yeah. they don't. I'm Steve Taylor, everyone. This is the lovely L. Johnson. How's it going, Hello, friends sir. and enemies? Uh, once again, this is NerdPod Generations. This is, if this is your first time listening to us, we do have 70 previous episodes that are pure gold. Please go to either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The last two minutes that we've been going, exactly like that. Oh, yeah. Everything is tangent. <laughs> we do have a plan of attack with oh, our shows. And boy, do we this week. We have a lot. Yeah. Not only this week, but every week from now on, we have so much shit to talk about. It's going to be a a mountain for a little bit here. Which, unfortunately... Okay, so this is... Folks, this is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to do, as brief as possible, a what have we been watching, reading, playing. And I know we have to kind of talk about some of the Marvel Mm -hmm. stuff that happened at the the Disney Expo, which we have not had a chance to talk about We haven't touched anything. Nothing. We haven't touched... (laughs) A, on a single one of those things. Three episodes of She-Hawk, four, five, and six. Yep. And then we have to talk about the first four episodes of The Lord of the Rings. And all this is going to roll into next week, which is going to be a She-Hawk episode, a Lord of the Ring episode, and the first four episodes of Andor, which has already come out by the time of this recording. Do you like Andor? My nipples are hard right now just talking about <laughs> Andor. That's how much I love it. Andor so come is back. amazing. So come back, ladies and gentlemen, because Steve likes a Star Wars thing. Not only do I like a Star Wars thing, I love. Like, I, I don't want to give away too much spoilers. We're going to talk about this next week. Next to Strange New Worlds, this might be my favorite TV show, and that's putting it over Witcher. That's how good... These first three episodes have been. But I don't want to talk about it anymore. All right. Because you haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. All right. So, I, folks. I, I did not have COVID, but I did have 
terrible illness yeah. that made it so that I could not catch up on anything that we were behind on until about three days ago. Yeah, and it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Because each Lord of the Rings show is like, what, an hour it's like an hour long. or something? Luckily, She-Hulk is like five minutes long per episode. Yeah. But there is a lot. Luckily, I saw Willow got pushed to the end of November. Oh, okay. I can deal with that. Which is good. Yeah, because it looks great. It looks great. The D23 trailer for that. Do you want to just hop into D23? Well, real quick, folks. Um, So once again, NerdPod Generations, we're at 71 episodes. We also have a YouTube channel, which we've been a little lax on uploading stuff for that, but we will hopefully get back on the horse with that. Go to YouTube.com, look up NerdPod Generations, watch our videos, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, give us comments, all that good stuff. Um, and then please go back and listen to our back catalog. Let everyone know about this because everyone that I have got hooked on listening to the show loves it. And so please, if you have people you love or like or even acknowledge as a human being, let them know about our show because it is very entertaining. And I am not biased. You know what I might start doing? What? Uh, specifically with these D23 trailers because one of the great YouTube videos we have up there is your the Wakanda uh, forever yeah I maybe what I'll start doing is a series called second reaction oh, <laughs> trailers yeah. and it's like I've seen the trailer but I'm gonna watch it a second time second and this is the time that I'm gonna be looking for Namor's wings on his feet to make sure that they're there gotcha. thankfully they're there they're there yeah all right so we are gonna start with what we've been watching reading playing and once again we, we usually we we delve into different things but we're just gonna be talking about some of the Marvel yeah. um, news I mean that we was can't released. not um, I'm half this show, and it's like it or lump it. It's it's a part of my biology, just like my liver. Yes. Like, that's just how I am. Yes. I can't mock away from it. It's... Which, the thing that honestly got me the most excited, mm-hmm. and it's for a show that you've said you don't like, and I kind of like, which is Loki Season 2. Yeah. Is Short Round is in Loki Season 2. Is he? He is going to be in Loki Season 2. Oh, in fact, it was yeah. just in um, Everything, Everywhere, Everywhere all, all at once. once. He is going to be a character which they haven't discussed yet in loki season two but because he was at this event kihui kwan thank you because he was at this event they got the picture of him and harrison ford i Stone, saw that which picture is amazing i did see that but picture. What, the great part is when when they were doing the the it's not really i don't want to say it's a panel they would have the cast for each show or movie come out on stage but they were standing there they would talk to kevin feige for like five minutes of like a little banter and when he walked out and they introduced him he looked around he goes this isn't the indiana jones panel he started to walk (laughs) off and i was like that's awesome oh that is so awesome it better be because honestly uh my feeling about indiana jones at five is that the only way that I could be satisfied with this movie is if it short if the plot of the movie is short round breaking Indy out of a situation and then the two of them getting out of a bigger situation and then at the end Indy officially retires and gives the hat to short round and we can all say yes this this is what we all yeah, want the short rounds out in the movie I know that's what makes me angry is just but like neither is Shia LaBeouf so know, it's it's small victories, but it's like I know. <laughs> I came in here with a gun and I didn't shoot my toes off. Yeah. Isn't everyone should applaud me? I didn't shoot my toes off. It's like you just you need to try harder. You just need to make better decisions. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm curious. That I'm very you know there, there was the big Indiana Jones panel, mm-hmm. and of course Harrison Ford said this is a great script and it's going to be the one of the best movies. It's, but he said that about the fourth one. Yeah. Which was a train wreck. Yeah. So my main hope is that George Lucas does not have his hands in any of this. I hope that Kasdan and Kasdan's son 
are responsible for the the script at least yeah i don't know it but but be like the ghostbusters you know afterlife for what it is it, it's not perfect it's yes. not perfect but it, i still say it's it's enjoyable it's good it's a solid ghostbusters 3 yeah i would say that i would say that it's better than ghostbusters 2 Oh yeah, which no, is that goes without saying. The hallmark of a good reboot these yeah. days is that it's better than the original sequel to the yes. original, because um, it's never going to be better than the original. Never. When Crystal Skull was coming out, my overwhelming feeling was, I can't believe I'm finally going to get to see an Indiana Jones movie in theaters. Mm. So I was so excited and so ready, and then I sat through it, and I was just like, it was the prequels all over again. I was like, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's really bad. There's really, there's no two ways around. I think I fooled myself for about two weeks that it wasn't bad. And then it's like, no, See, it's bad. See, I was bad. that way with you, but I was, it happened. I went through that transition while watching the movie. Mm-hmm. I kept saying, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And then Shia LaBeouf swung with through vines. And I was like, this is horrible. Yeah. Like the whole nuke in the fridge and everything. Yeah. I was still like, <gasps> in the in the gophers, I'm like, it's still not bad. And then the ants, I'm like, uh, what is this? The ants was like one of the few scenes I did like. That was but one of the few like, things I like. Why? I mean, we. Un- I understand you have the snakes in the first one, you have the bugs in the second one, you have the rats in the third one. It's like, okay, you don't need to do the stupid insect thing. I understand it was like you did it well in those movies. This one was so CGI'd and it, bad. Yeah, it, it was CGI heavy, which it was, was so CGI. Heavy. It, it's a that's one of the big problems with Crystal Skull in general is yeah. that it's CGI heavy and like so many Lucasin projects yeah. that are CGI heavy from the mid to early 2000s. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> you, which short tangent, a little off topic, but not really because it's a Disney project. I saw the new Pinocchio movie. How is that? Horrible. Okay. And there's a part where they're on Pleasure Island, and instead of drinking and smoking beer, they drink root beer. But the root beer is CGI, and it looks worse. It looks worse than the CGI in Jumanji. This is Zemeckis again, isn't it? Yes. He can't help himself. It is horrible. Yeah. Like, horrible CGI for root beer. Terrible CGI. Guys. It's no, and the movie's not good. Just pour a fucking cup, man. Like, come on. It's not good. It's not that hard. Yeah. So don't watch it, because it's really fucking bad. Oh, man. It's really fucking bad. I thought it was weird, because, like, Beauty and the Beast is not a perfect movie by no. any measure of the imagination. But one of the things that made it interesting was that they tried to reinvent the look of the characters while still remaining loyal mm. to the original concept of the characters. And the thing that kind of weirds me out about Pinocchio is that they're like, nah, 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 photorealistic Pinocchio. Yeah. And it's like, it's just going to be a straight cut. You know, the, the fox and the dog or the fox and the cat, whatever it is, is straight cut. Same thing. And it's just like, this is it's so bad. weird. This is weird. And it, it's, it just continues the trend of these live action Disney movies. It's like, why create a movie that right out of the shoot is worse than the original, yeah. the animated? Like, if you pick an animated movie that's not good and you do a live action version that makes it better, that's a different story. Do the but fox and the have... hound. Everybody would love it. Yeah. Everybody would love it. You kidding me? It's it's a it. You'd have the first forty minutes of the movie are a CGI puppy and a CGI fox. People would lose their goddamn minds. Mm. Come on, just and no one like hardcore Disney people are like, oh, Fox and the Hound is like one of my favorites. But like the common everyday, I think even Gen Z Disney person has never even seen Fox and the Hound. You know, yeah. I haven't seen it since I was like six. You know, it's it's like. I've seen more clips of it on YouTube mixed into songs. See, in my only, the only live action one I liked 
wasn't even a remake. It was an offshoot, which is Maleficent. Mm-hmm. And it was like that first one. I like that idea where it's like, okay, let's do a spinoff. So you're not recreating the movie. You're just telling a side story and it's live action. That worked. The one that I find to be most successful is Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Uh, that one was pretty good. It had Lily James. It mm. had Kate Blanchett. It had um, Richard Madden. Um, it was directed by Kenneth Branagh. Mm. It had a good look, but it was organic in its mm-hmm. style. Um, it wasn't over the top, but it kind of got there sometimes. They had Helena Bonham Carter as the fairy godmother. So it's like they, they got to that like cresting point of like, oh, this is getting a little high. And then it would go back down mm-hmm. to something more rational. And then it would get really big and then it would go back down again. And um, I think James Corden is one of the mice in it or something. But that one was the one that worked the best for me. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other ones I found have been diminishing returns since then. And like Lion King and Aladdin were the low point. Aladdin especially was really bad. That was horrible. Aladdin just the best bad. part of Aladdin was the carpet, and that is not good. No, that is not good. There's that is a terrible. There's movie. one gag in the entire thing where Aladdin and Genie are talking to each other, and in the background carpet is making the Disney logo and throwing sand over it like the Tinkerbell yeah. stream. And I'm just sitting there like, that's the best joke this movie has come up with this and entire no one time. Probably saw that. No, exactly. Yeah, it's just most it's in the background of a scene. And I'm just like, this is the best thing about the entire movie everything else is awful <laughs> and to, and to roll this conversation into the disney expo did you see the trailer for disenchanted i did that actually looks really good that looks amazing looks i really, love really the idea of the story of how she brings the fairy tale but since she's a stepmother she starts turning into the evil stepmother yeah. which was awesome kelly do you okay. want to join in on this because yeah. our resident we've decided on this uh, our resident lord of the rings stan is also our resident Disney stand. Yes. And she has to come over and help with And our Kelly will have a more in-depth discussion with us when it comes to when we talk about Lord of the Rings, but yes. you are going to definitely have to yeah. put in your two cents on this. I'm so happy they're leaning into it because they even, like, talk about it in the first one. Do they? They do, because uh, it was when the dad was still dating Idina Menzel. Oh, yeah. And the daughter was like, I don't want a stepmom, because in all the fairy tale books, stepmoms are terrible. Oh, that's true. So I they, forgot that. They do hint at it, and I love that they got the same girl back who plays the daughter. I love the idea. The costumes. I love the, the costumes look amazing. The costumes look great. I, I love the the fact that A, it's a continuation so we're going to have Adina Menzel and James Marsden come oh, back. Yes. So they're going to have spent time in this fairy tale realm and we're going to see how that affects Adina Menzel which is yes. fascinating. And Enchanted came out the first one came out before Frozen. So That's I, right. So Idina's gone on this entire journey of suddenly having Disney's like most popular song of the century. That's right. Uh, and she's coming back for this role that she did. Yeah. And I gotta admit, I am not a big Amy Adams fan. I, oh, I liked I her in the first her. one because I thought she played it how you would need to play it. How she did the voice changes mm-hmm. was incredible and in just watching it. Like, oh, yeah. that alone makes me want to watch it. She's, I'm really excited. She's a goddamn professional. And I remember when the first one came out, people were very nervous because she was playing a Disney princess. And she was she was not in her 20s yeah. when she first played that role. No, she so, was in her mid to late 30s. That? Yeah. yeah. She plays so young, which yeah. is wild. Oh, so... But another thing I love about Enchanted as a whole, and I hope they do like touch on this a little bit, is there's this huge controversy over the fact that in Little Mermaid, Ariel was given as her like show-stopping dress. It's a pink dress on a redhead. 
And everyone is like, why would you make that color choice? Hmm. And then they prove that it can be done well with Enchanted, which is, it's it's a nice little Disney homage, mm-hmm. and I love it. And I hope that they have cameos from other Disney actors in the second one, because mm-hmm. the first one has cameos from, like, half of the princesses, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Well, I'm kind of hoping they find a way to do some kind of a little Susan Sarandon. I know her character, Fairy Tale died at the end of the... Did she die at the end of Enchanted? I can't remember. She turned into the oh, dragon at the end. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. I haven't watched it. I know. It's been a while. I can't I remember no if she idea. died or if she just got sucked back to the I fantasy world. I feel like she just got sucked back into the fantasy world or so. something. Because I, w- I loved Susan Sarandon in that first one. So I would oh, love yeah. to see her, even if it's a small part, mm-hmm. but have some kind of a... Yeah. Credit scene. I'll take a credit scene. Yeah. Something. Anything. Yeah. Even if it's one of those like Norman Osborn style. Yeah. Me comparing it to Spider-Man. But she's like talking to Amy Adams about going down the road of evil. Yeah. Uh, I also love that, it. you know, in as part of the first one, because she has the princess uh, animal whispering power. Yeah. Uh, the only animals around in the city are disgusting, awful animals yeah. that we all hate. Oh, that whole song is still just golden. But now... With the idea of her turning villainous, that somehow fits her even better. Yeah. That she has that Disney princess power and the thing that she ensnares is pigeons and rats and cockroaches. It. It's like, oh, this is, everything's just coming together it's, real I nice. Wait. I, I like it wait. a lot. It's kind of shocking to me, like, of all the trailers and everything I watched, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a dad now and I got a daughter and all that, but man, I, I think that's at the top of my list. They haven't said if it's a musical or not. There's well, they at least one that- number. There's, yeah, there's that one number where she does the spin and there's everyone dancing behind her. Mm-hmm. So there's at least that one. I think it has to be. After the first one, the songs are so great. And especially the how how does she know. Like, that's such a great song and the number's great. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine them doing it without having some kind of... Like, I would love to see her do an evil musical number. Yeah. I oh think my that God. would be amazing. Can you imagine Giselle having a villain song? That'd that be would a be incredible. Well, what, what I'm wondering is if that bit that she does that's kind of like the song she does in Central Park... I'm wondering if that's her ensnaring people around her into this fantasy world could be. and pulling them that's my into this. This seems very familiar, very similar in a little bit of way to like WandaVision, mm-hmm. where you have all these people wherever they're living and they're getting pulled into this world she's creating. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I'm kind of very curious. I'm yeah. very curious. I think that looks really good. Um, just to jump off that real quick, unless you have anything else, um, while you're here, before we dive into any Marvel stuff from D23. Uh, I thought that the Little Mermaid trailer, which has been brewing for so long, I thought that looked really good. I was, I was it looked good. I just love the idiots. Yeah, yeah. That are like, oh, why is she black? Well, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Because she's the most competent person to take the role. Why I would you be care? more mad if they turned Sebastian into like uh, a tuna fish or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would make me more mad. Yeah, it's like, so she's black. Who cares? Who cares? Also. Not for nothing, uh, when Little Mermaid was on Broadway for a hot second, Triton was played by a black guy. There you go. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? Who, who cares? cares? Her voice is amazing. That's all yeah. that should matter. Yeah. If you got somebody that, if you got Roseanne Barr who can't sing, then I would be mad. Yeah. You get this girl who has an absolutely beautiful voice. That's all you care. That's all you need. That's all that's important. Yeah. And then you get the, the, the cultural impact that it's already having. Yeah. That you can literally Well, and that's see. what I love about all these idiot racists. It's like, 
I've seen so many interviews with little girls who have dark skin who are like, oh my god, a princess that looks like me. Same thing with Princess and the Frog when it came out. You remember yeah. how many people were oh, pissed yeah. at that? Yeah. But it's like, there are more people than just white people in this world. You morons. Yeah. You idiots. Yeah. Also, something I found interesting, which I found out after seeing the trailer, because um, somebody was like looking through the cast list, and Ariel's sisters are all different races. Oh, so, really? So I'm really wondering, you know, what kind of thing we're going for. going for yeah i think they're going for that disney i the best way i can phrase it is like it's the the retouched history mm. uh friend, fans and, and friends you're gonna notice that my dog has found a squeaky toy and we're, <laughs> we're not gonna take it away from him you're just gonna have to put up with that and i'm sorry hey we got a lot of background effects yeah. in this episode but uh disney has been doing this like um we're woke see we're woke well like the, the reimagined past <laughs> yeah where it's it's a more diverse past than you would normally see which works in a lot of their fantasy things because it doesn't really matter. It's like that in Beauty and the Beast is not really a uh, you know village in France. I, yeah. I get it, but it doesn't need to be. That doesn't make it better to, to have it yeah. all be white people. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the tone that they go for. Well, and, and going off of what you and I have talked about before, we don't mind if they do that. Yeah, it's just fine. do it good. Yeah, do yeah. it right. Don't pigeonhole these other nationalities or skin colors just to pigeonhole them in Mm -hmm. do it correctly and then no one will have anything to complain well you'll have still the idiots that have something to complain about but it's like you know if you're gonna do that you gotta do it right yeah exactly you gotta do like like you were like we'd said with um prey yeah yeah exactly that was done properly that's done right that was the first thing i thought of when you said you gotta do it right is prey which I was just hearing another movie reviewer talk about that, and I immediately got so excited. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I fucking love that movie That's so much. That might be my favorite movie of the year so far. I love that movie so much. But like, if Prey started and she walked up to another Native American and slapped hands while yeah. making a flex and said, you son of a bitch, that would probably have been off. You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. But it's like, yeah, it's they just got to do it right. Which, yeah. you know, unfortunately, being the fact that, and we just trashed all the live action remakes, it's like. I know. Well, the, you know, well, so here's the one thing about Little Mermaid that I think we can hang our hat on is that I I do like Chloe Grace Moretz. I think she's a good actress. Yes. I saw her in the movie Shadow in the Cloud, uh, which is amazing mm-hmm. and probably one of the best things I've seen her in since the Hit Girl days. Mm-hmm. I remember when this they were first talking about Little Mermaid and she was the lead that was going to be cast as Ariel. It was right after Emma Watson had come out as Belle. And Beauty and the Beast. It was around that same era. And it's just like, we're not doing that again. They are moving in a better direction in terms of their casting, in terms of what they're looking for. I think that if you fix things like maybe don't have Guy Ritchie direct it, things like this that you can use to kind of fix elements of your problem. What kills me is he went from... Aladdin, which was horrible, yeah. to The Gentleman, which is amazing. amazing. It's like, stay in your lane, dude. Yeah. Well, Stop it's, doing it. It's, it's the, you can clearly tell this was for a paycheck. Yeah. Which it made over a billion oh, dollars, yeah. which made still his blows money. my freaking mind. Cause... I don't know why anybody liked that. Will Smith. I don't know why anybody liked that. But movie. even that, like, I don't dislike Will Smith, but it's like, no, dude. Like, Robert, like, it's the it's same not, thing you're not with my best. problem with the remake on Nightmare on Elm Street. It's not... The character, it's the actor who portrayed the character that made the character. So now you look at at Aladdin, and it's like, Robin Williams is that character. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. He was so good at it that no one else could even come close. Yeah. And so even Will Smith, his performance wasn't awful, 
but comparing it to Robin Williams, it was horrendous. And then you have the CGI-ness of his Oh, the CGI was terrible. It's just, it, 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 it snowballs into this yeah. whole problem. But they did that. What's that new, um, like, Lost in Space animated one? Um, oh, yeah, Strange World or Strange something? World, which that yeah. one, I don't know. That one seems interesting. I think that'll be a wait for it to come on Disney+. Plus. I don't think I'm going to really go out to see that. No, I don't think I'm going to run out and see it either. Um, Secret Invasion? Secret Invasion we got to talk about. Oh, they, they announced that new Pixar movie, the Element movie. Yeah. Um, which looks good. Um, you know, it looks like your standard Pixar movie. Yeah. See, yeah. the last few Pixar movies haven't really done it for me. And so that's why I'm a little apprehensive. Like, Pixar used to be a slam dunk, but now it's like... Yeah. I don't know, man. Oh, and Hocus Pocus. Oh, Hocus Pocus. That was the other one, uh, which I've never seen the first Hocus Pocus. So I, yeah, I saw I the am... first one, which I wasn't a massive fan. I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I am happy they brought Doug Jones back to play the zombie, yes. which is great because mm-hmm. I love Doug Jones. Mm-hmm. I can watch anything with Doug Jones. It is kind of creepy that Sarah Jessica Parker almost looks the same age yeah. as she did in the first one. <laughs> Like, you can tell she's a little older, but it's still like, man, you don't look that far off. Yeah. There are a handful of actors where we see them decades later and we're like, did you sell your soul? Yep. Yeah. Like the Paul Rudd effect. Paul Rudd. Elijah Wood. Which um, still to this day, when they had that de-aging app mm-hmm. that was popular, and they yeah. had all the Marvel people de-aged, and then they just had a picture of Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like really old, but it's just him. Yeah. The other one that I wanted to talk about was Willow. Um, because Dude. I cannot wait. It This is one of the ones that actually looks amazing. Dude. You have nostalgia for it. Yeah. Well, it looks like this weird fulfillment of a dream I never had. Of like, the world of Willow explored and, Which and that, grow. That movie to this day is one of my favorite fantasy movies it is. ever. It's up there and in the it top It's a bad rep. Like, I talk to people like, well, I didn't really like it. It's like... Have you watched it lately? Are you out of your goddamn mind? Matt Morgan is one of the greatest fantasy characters ever. ever. Val Kilmer. Period. Period. The end. There is no other. The brownies, I get it. The brownies are a little much at times. But even they were funny. But Beer! It's still Kevin Pollock. He's still giving But Kevin it. Pollock is going after a cat because yeah. he got him with the love spell. Yeah. He's in love with it. It's, it there's awesome. still stuff here. It's still good. Uh, I just love Willow and I'm really excited. Dude, that show looks so good. It looks like they have really good practical effects that they're using. Yeah. It looks like a lot of puppets. But what I'm happy is, like, that movie is dark. Yeah. And this looks like it's like some of the villains. My son couldn't even watch the trailer. He got too scared. Yeah. Because some of the villains look terrifying, yeah. which is what they were in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The villains were were so scary. What was Kurgan was the name of the or the general with the yeah. awesome skull mask? Yeah. Oh my it was god, Carn like or something. Car- yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. But even Bad Morta, the the evil witch. Yeah. She was terrifying. She's terrifying. Like at the end when she's soaking wet and her face is all wrinkly yeah. and she's like, eh. like you, it was terrifying. You have the scene where they all turn into pigs. Oh yeah. That's just like as a kid you're like, Ugh. those effects were incredible. Yeah. Practical effects once again. Practical That's effects. All you need to. Oh god, it's so good and I'm really looking forward to it. I do want to find out if the baby, the character of the baby, not the actual Lord baby, Dannon. I want to find out if Lord Dannon is in the show. Well, he when he was talking to that one woman, he said your mother, which I think he was talking about Joanne Wilder Kilmer. Wondering. Yeah. So I'm like, I think that is Lord Dannon. Yeah. But I'm kind of curious how they're going to write out Mad Martigan. Yeah. Because it's like, I they, mean, Val Kilmer could make some kind of a cameo, but even. Like, I, I have, still haven't seen the new Top Gun movie, but I saw that scene mm-hmm. with him and Tom Cruise, and his son spoke for him, and you could 
kind of tell the lips were kind of off and it was a little like it was a very emotional scene it was great Mm -hmm. but like that was a little weird so i don't know how they're going to incorporate that because he was such a major component of that movie yeah no exactly i think i wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those things where it's like our beloved king who died yeah it's got to be and there's just a painting of him somewhere in the castle oh my god i can't wait for that show though but it looks like we're gonna have a mad morgan type it looks like we're gonna have all kinds of fun stuff happening here I am going to do a, a little spoiler to the Lord of the Ring talk. Okay. If the trailer for Willow ends up being what the show's like, this is what I ex- expected the Lord of the Rings to be, which it's not. Mm. Like, the Willow show is like, that's the fantasy show I had in my mind yeah. when I saw the Lord of the Ring trailer originally, but I didn't get that. Yeah. So I'm hoping Willow can fulfill that. Yeah. Because I have that desire now to see this awesome fantasy world. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really hoping. It looks really good. And I'm super psyched about it. And we are definitely going to cover it on a week-to-week basis as it comes out. So, like, honestly, if it is as good as I hope it is, this year we'll have released three of my favorite shows being Strange New Worlds, um, Andor, and Willow. Willow. Yeah. Which is like crazy That's to have insane. these three incredible shows. Yeah. And they're all... No, two of them are Disney+. Plus. One's Paramount+. Plus. Yeah. But they're they're... They're reinventions of known properties. Yes. And done Done really well. well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we're just going to... I love you. I don't expect you to care about the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Really quick, we got hit on the Wolfman weird thing. That looks amazing. I don't know what it is. Wolf, Wolf, Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Um... I know it was. It's a very obscure Marvel character, mm-hmm. so I love that it's they're not doing John it. John Jameson. No, no, no. Okay. So I love that they're doing it this way. Well, here's the thing: it cannot be Disneyfied. Mm-hmm. I really hope they allowed this guy, the director, to create this noir horror movie, mm-hmm. which this it very much reminded me of, like Werewolf of London. Do you ever? Yeah, see yeah, that? yeah. Oh, I love Werewolf. Very of much like that. Yeah. And it's like I hope that's the tone and it's not like full humor and all that. I hope it's this like throwback to an, a classic monster movie. See, I got the tone that it was going to be very humorous. That was the tone that I got out of it. And I well that's the thing. I, I'm kind of regressing those scenes. Yeah. And in my mind I'm like please make it dark. Dark. Because they've they've stayed away from dark for well over a year now. Yeah. They they haven't done anything truly dark since WandaVision. And cuz um, I know Blade's not like I want Blade to be a dark movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will because of how they're going with the Marvel with the MCU lately. Yeah. But since this is like a spin-off, one-off thing, I was really hoping they would get away from that. Yeah. But well, is it a one-off? It sounds like a new series of, of short films or something that they're going to be doing. I don't know. Like I'm assuming it's a one-off if it doesn't do well. Yeah, that's true. It's it's like X-Men Origins Wolverine. Exactly. There were going to be like four of those movies and then Origins exactly. crashed. I think the people who will watch this movie are horror fans and deep Marvel fans. Yeah. The ones who have read these comic books, which are very obscure. I hope so, because if this is made for 12-year-olds again, because we're going to get to it with She-Hulk. She-Hulk isn't made for 12-year-olds, but there's... You, I, I, we're going to get to She-Hulk. We're going to get to She-Hulk. Get to She-Hulk. But I I do hope it's good. I mm. love uh, Guy Garrel. I can't say his name. Uh, Bernal. Mm. I, I love him. He's great. Um, and so I'm, I'm very curious to see how this whole thing yeah. goes. But... And it's just the Marvel thing with us now. That's it. We've been burned so much by them 
in this last two years. Yeah. That it's really hard to get on board. So have you ever cooked like really fatty bacon? Yeah. And you know how like the pan just gets filled with grease. So Marvel is someone cooking really fatty bacon for the first time. And they're like, come over here. Check out this bacon. It looks so good. Watch me flip it. And then they spill grease all over you. And you're like, ah, damn it. Yeah. And then they keep doing that. Yeah. And you're over just like, can you please stop? I'm not going to come near the stove and watch you flip bacon yeah. anymore. Just give me the damn bacon. Yeah. This leads me to Secret Invasion, which uh, they've confirmed is a spy espionage show. Yeah. I kind of assumed. I'd be worried yeah. if it wasn't. Honestly, I'm concerned that you had to make that distinction. But this is a situation where the trailer looks like what we want it to look like. Yeah. But, but how are they going to screw it up? That's is, the Marvel line now. How are you going to screw it up? How are you going to mess this up? Yeah. This is my thing. Is that they framed... There, there are certain ways around this. But in Captain Marvel, they framed the scrolls that are on Earth as refugees. refugees. And in the original canon of Secret Invasion... It's a group of radicalized religious zealots who are scrolls that believe in a prophecy that says that Earth was promised to the scrolls after Galactus destroyed their home planet. Mm -hmm. And that's why they go through the whole process, the whole way of making their shape-shifting so complete that even people like Logan and others that can tell when mm -hmm. someone's a shapeshifter can't tell. Yeah. And... You know, like, they go through this whole process of copying the memories of the people. They have to capture them and bring them up into space. It's this whole thing. And I'm not sure we're going to get that. No. And I it's also... It's too in-depth for what Marvel's doing right now. If we did, what does it look like when you have a group of religious zealots come to Earth when these people were originally refugees for the, yeah. the last few movies? I... I think you're saying the wrong thing. So even if you strip that out, which like, then why are they here? It, it, you, no matter how you frame it, it's going to be bad. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried, man. <laughs> I'm See, very worried about My this. thing that I'm concerned about is, to me, I will not accept the scrolls and anything Marvel without the Fantastic Four. Mm. It's like, it's kind of like what you were saying with Spider-Man and, and Norman Osborn. Yeah. You, you gotta have one or the other. You, you can't have do both. one you without the other. Both. Yeah. Um, Superman, Lex Luthor. You gotta have them both. Yeah. Scrolls, Fantastic Four. You gotta have them. See, like, this is what I would want, is the timeline's all fucked, because the uh, once again, the best way that you could do this story is if the Fantastic Four which I think is how they're going to introduce them. They're going to do Secret Wars, and so this is the Fantastic Four that we're going to get is going to be the Fantastic Four from another universe. Yes. A la Doctor Strange. So you should have done that a while ago because then you could... I get it. You couldn't because laws and legal and mumbo-jumbo. But like you should have done that as soon as you were able to. Yeah. Because this is going to work a lot better if you have a Fantastic Four, specifically Reed Richards, who comes from an outside universe, who says... Wait, there are scrolls on your planet? That's a problem. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, it's not a problem. And it's like, uh, it's kind of a problem. Which again is why I don't want them to be framed as refugees mm -hmm. because I don't want the two to be mixed. I I think that's a mixed message that you don't want to hit. Mm -hmm. So again, well, it's just, see how they do and it. It goes back to Captain Marvel. It's like of all the villains you could have to choose from. Yeah. Why pick the scrolls? Yeah. You, you just I think they were when Captain Marvel came out, they were working on the rights. Did they have the rights to him yet? I don't know if they did. They yet didn't have the rights to the Fantastic Four, but it had been worked out that the scrolls were in this nebulous middle ground yeah. where they didn't 
belong specifically to Fox because Fox had never used them. And yeah. so Mar- they kind of relapsed into Marvel's ownership. But I think it, the time that Captain Marvel was made, they were still, like, they were in the process of trying to acquire Fox. Oh, yeah, that was Something still, like that takes forever. That was that was 2019, so that was right at the height of Disney has bought Fox. Yeah. And it's just, we're waiting for the paperwork to go through. Exactly. And for it to be official. So but, it's like, you knew... You were going to be getting the rights to the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to use the scrolls. Yeah. You know, use a character that would have connected her a little better to the MCU with with Endgame and all that. I just like... You know, do something like and, that. And we're going to talk about it again because I think Captain Marvel and She-Hulk suffer from very similar problems. But I, I think at the end of the day, my issue with Captain Marvel will always be that at times the writing just doesn't make sense. No. In terms of... Not in terms of what characters say. Which is going to be an issue with She-Hulk. We're yes. going to get to that. Um, but like in terms of the... De- once again, Marvel, with the decisions that you make. I get what you want to do. And I get the story that you're trying to tell. But I also think making the supreme intelligence of the Kree into this... it's What is it? It's like a VR thing mm-hmm. that she goes into. And it, no. <laughs> like, listen. The supreme intelligence is supposed to be... It basically, once you reach a certain tier in Cree society mm-hmm. in terms of your importance, in terms of how smart you are and what impact you make to society, mm-hmm. your brain is merged into the supreme intelligence. Yes. It's not this. And it's so many times I've had that moment. And Captain Marvel just happened to be full of it, of just like, <laughs> you're missing it. it. You're missing it. You're missing what we're what, what we could be doing. Not what we should be doing or what we might as well be doing, but what we could be doing here could be so much more. And that's not just a Captain Marvel thing. That's a Marvel problem writ large. So we'll see what Secret Invasion does. I'm just not hopeful. I'm not hopeful either. I'm not hopeful. I know we have to move on and get to She-Hulk, but I I, I at least want to talk about one more. Yeah. And it's something going off of what you were kind of hoping. Uh, Captain America, New World Order. Mm Mm-hmm. They're bringing back Tim Blake Nelson as the leader. Have they announced this? Yes. He's actually in... The IMDb. Wow. He is going to be... Co- and you would just mention that yes. a few weeks ago. I've wanted this forever. He is going to be back as Samuel Stern, the leader in the new Captain America movie. Can you imagine a season of She-Hulk where the plot is the leader sees what She-Hulk has become and is determined to carry out his plan for Gamma World? Mm-hmm. He sees her as this, this proof tester, this control that he can point to and be like, but see, she's so much better as a Hulk. Everybody should be a Hulk. Mm-hmm. And it's that's not anywhere close to what we're doing. No. You well, want to talk about She-Hulk? He is coming back. I know. We got we gotta move on, folks. We gotta talk about She-Hulk. We're we're gonna this is already gonna be a four-hour show. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're starting with episode four, which has to do with Donnie Blaze. <laughs> okay. I have the each episode has worse. its own problems. I don't Every know episode what has its own problems. Could it be Donnie Blaze or Wang's new girlfriend? <laughs> I don't know what was worse in this episode. I, I was so... so. <sighs> we're so close. No, we're not. We're not no, actually we're that not close. close. Uh, so you have moments where the, the, the A plot is that She-Hulk is making a dating profile and no one wants to date Jen Walters, but everybody wants to date She-Hulk. And meanwhile, uh, she can't find any good men while she's trying to date people even as She-Hulk. Yeah. Um, 
And there's one guy who mysteriously wants to know about every one of her weaknesses and if she's yeah. susceptible to anything. And I wonder if this could possibly come back up later again. And the only reason I knew it would is because he's a, he's the only he's actor only I actor recognize. Of, of recognition. And I, he was in... Um, he was in Baywatch. Baywatch, yeah. yeah. That's the only reason I recognize. And it's like, oh, he's going to be coming yeah, back. Yeah, John Bass. It's yeah. like, he's, he's going to be back. Yeah. And, oh, he comes back in episode five to help her prove that she... Okay, we're gonna yeah, get to episode, gonna five episode five because it's it's it gets worse and worse. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This one was pretty bad. It's really bad. So like you have, I hate that his name is Donnie Blaze, and that made me mad because it's like, are they trying to are, say you have to know? You have to know. Yeah. Is that them? Like wink, wink. This is our Ghost Rider. It's like no. What the fuck? How can you call him Donnie Blaze when you have a character named Johnny, Johnny Blaze? Who's a huge fucking deal? Okay, so this is what Marvel's doing now is they they tease us with things and we're like, did you mean to do that? And they're like, oh. And they're, did we? Did you? Do you have a plan? <laughs> is this on purpose? Or are you trolling us? What is happening? Yeah. This is how I feel about She-Hulk twerking. Oh. Are you trolling us? Because 10 years ago, if Black Widow had twerked, everybody and their cousin would have lost their minds for various reasons. Some people in one direction, some people in another direction. And now I'm hearing people argue that it's more female representative for She-Hulk to twerk. And I'm just like... Well, I'm wondering if the whole twerking thing was looked over because it's a CGI character. I have no clue! It doesn't make any sense this to me! It doesn't make any sense. Um, okay, back to Donnie Donnie, Donnie Blaze. Uh, so you have this fake magician who I guess spent a week in commentage. But somehow has one of their... You got a sling ring. and Sling ring that yeah. you can open up portals and, and stuff. And so he sends this Jersey girl through a oh portal. Oh, God. And she ends up in Wong's village apartment complex manor, whatever you want to call it. His room. As he's sitting down to, to watch, watch The, the Sopranos. Sopranos. And because we can't do a single Marvel thing without a reference to other property, the this is where it gets frustrating. Because the, the B plot of the show, the, the court plot, so there's a life plot and a court plot court to every plot, episode. Yes. So while She-Hulk is trying to get a date with somebody who's not terrible, she also has to represent Wong as he sues Donnie Blaze for misusing magic. Yes. And I'm sitting there... Watching this judge kind of dismiss this concern that Wong has for Donnie Blaze doing what he's clearly doing. And I'm just sitting there like, does anybody else remember when half the planet disappeared for five years? Yes! Does anybody else remember when all of this happened? How could anybody in this situation, in this timeline, yes. with these events having happened, especially a judge, sit here and be like, nah, this isn't a problem, son. What the f fuck are you talking yes, about? Like, I understand if this show happened before the first Avengers with what happened in New York City. Yeah. If it happened before that, I could see her like, meh. But like Whatever. you said, it's after the snap. It's She knows there's magic in the world. She knows there's wizards. Wong you, is a wizard. He opens a portal you, and leaves. You can't be serious that you're litigating this as if he's suing David Blaine for doing a magic trick. Yeah. You can't fucking be serious the world that you've devised is so much bigger than that now you can't just ignore these massive issues but it's not funny but it's not funny and oh we got God. our second best fight scene of the the, the entire show because she hawk has to go and fight some demons while she's on a date these awful cgi little cherub demons yeah and which weren't even good villains no and but it was like compared to the other fight scenes we've seen it was a halfway decent fight scene oh yeah it wasn't it, bad there was some good banter she hulk got to show off her powers we got to see her actually team up with wong there was good repartee it felt like a good fight scene from a comic book 
And then she gets back to her date and she's covered in demon guts. And it's like, great, we had a moment. And then the next two episodes, we're right back in the toilet. And I wish they would have talked more about when she bones the guy in She-Hulk. It's like, she's not used her downstairs area as She-Hulk. She can break off certain areas of his body. I want to know what happened there. Like, is that like... A little more discussion. There's questions. I mean, there's corners of the internet that you can go through to get answers. I don't on need those. those answers, okay? <laughs> I don't I, need the, the Japanese uncensored hentai answers. The part of me that wanted She Hulk to be a good comic book character is extremely angry about all the decisions being made here. I don't think you're satisfying the right person when you're making the decisions that you're making. Which anyway. the, makes the show difficult for me to understand who they're making it for. Yes. Well, this is my other thing is that it seems. Like, I default, I didn't like Captain Marvel. This is what I meant when I said I was going to get back to it. One of the things I I realized about Captain Marvel is that I don't like it, but I know a lot of women, specifically, who really like it. And so I say, okay, this is a disconnect issue. I look at it, and for me, I'm expecting one thing, and I don't get any of those things. You look at it, you might be expecting something and get something different, but overall, it's still a positive experience for you that reaffirms your sense of self in the world, and that's awesome, and I'm super pumped for it. I I have to assume She-Hulk is kind of the same, yeah. because there's just this element of it that I just don't get. It's yeah. not funny enough. The writing isn't good enough. The situations aren't fun enough. The comedy relief is mostly bad. Mm-hmm. The acting is passable by some and really bad by mm-hmm. others. The directing is all over the place over at the times. Place. It's just like, at one point, I thought they recast one character because she looked so different yeah. than she had in other scenes. I was like, what is happening yeah. here? So it's just like... Well, and I'm going to use an analogy, and once again, I'm not going to delve into Andor, but it's a half-hour show. Yeah. Same as She-Hulk. Every time I watch an episode of She-Hulk, it feels like the story is just getting started when it ends. Yes. Where the episodes of Andor, it had a satisfying ending to where they were going for that episode. Yeah. And it's like, that's what's really missing with these shows. It's like, just when you're starting to feel like, okay, maybe there's something. It ends. It ends. And then you're like, oh. What was the point of this? Exactly. What, what the hell was the point? Which is like, that's what happens in She-Hulk, episode three, is that she's making breakfast the next day as Jen. The guy comes out. He's like, I'm not into Jen. And he leaves. Yeah. And then she gets served papers from Titania. Oh, the missed opportunity oh, that five, is Titania. Yeah. So let's dig into it. Which, so, how has she become like, she's in five and six? Five and six. It's like six. she's now in almost every episode. Well, she's going to be the main villain for She-Hulk at this point. It but almost like, seems she's a horrible like, villain. She's and they a make terrible her villain. In comic relief. And it, it makes me so angry because there's so many opportunities that you could yeah. do here. Okay, I, so episode five, she she is suing She-Hulk because Titania comes out with a line of cosmetics named She-Hulk. Yes. Because she copyrighted the name before Jen could copyright it. So now Jen has to prove in court that she uses the name for herself yes. and Titania's trademark is... Exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's the court part of the episode. Uh, and it's very... Basically, it just turns into Jen has to demean herself in front of everybody. Yes. Uh, all the guys that she went on, you know, snap dates with come into court and talk about yes. whether they would date Jen versus She-Hulk. And it's like, great. Awesome. I, again, I assume this is for someone. Mm-hmm. I personally just find this grating. I find this irritating. I get that this is also supposed to be a metaphor for female life. And I totally respect that. But I just feel like it's it's not there for me. 
it doesn't hit for me. And then you have the other plot, the the A plot, because there is no fight scene in this episode. There's literally no action of any kind in this episode. The A plot is her co-workers trying to get uh, Taylor for her. So they find this guy. Oh, boy. This is... Tell me that this guy, who is the designer, Uh the showrunners obviously watched The Incredibles. Mm -hmm. And they said, we need to make Edna Mode Mm -hmm. into a male and make him a real-life designer. Because it's the exact same character. We're just going to have Edna Mode as one of the the queer eye guys. Yeah. It's the exact same character. Yeah. Beat for beat, exact same character. But it doesn't work here. It doesn't work at all. Edna Mode is charming and, and funny. This guy is just, again, grading. The entire time he's grading. Whether it's when her co-workers are at his camera door that they had to go through like six loops to jump through to get to this this door and then they can't get in they just have this door and this camera and they go through this negotiation and they lie and say that she's an avenger and so he makes a a reservation for them and then they dance knowing that they're still on camera and the guy's like i can still see you and i'm like who is this joke for is this joke for four-year-olds? Who is this joke for? Because yeah. these idiots would definitely have walked away from the door because they know they're on camera and they have some modicum of respect for themselves. And it, it just like, the, just so many moments that I was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And, you know, I, so fully honesty, I thought that episode six was going to be the end of the season. Mm. I, I came into yesterday, two days ago, whatever Hopefully, it was. Hoping it was the end yeah. of the season. No, literally, I came into it when I was catching up on all of them because I watched four, five, and six all in one day, yeah. all back to back. And when I was doing that, I was under the impression that I would be done. And that was kind of the carrot at the end of the road for me was like, if you just watch these episodes, you'll be done and you, you won't have more. to do this again. And then I found out that it actually is nine episodes long. And what happened with the post credit scenes? Uh, they they're gone. Well, no. So they. Oh God. So this this is one of those things that only makes me angry. It doesn't make anybody rational angry, but it makes me irrationally angry. Um, so episode four ends with Jen full on telling us to wait for the tag at the end of the credits because it's going to make us feel better about how the episode ended because it ended on a down note theoretically. Which yeah. And the, then there's a stupid end tag of Wong and and Madison in Wong's apartment watching something and oh, eating popcorn and talking about drinks. And it's like, this is not that funny. No, it's not. It was, that not. Funny. It was dumb. And, um, cause it was like, okay, here's the thing. And I, I do applaud Marvel for what they did with like Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel. And now, um, Wakanda forever. They're making these empowering female characters. Yes. So who do they make? for this show is the stereotypical drunk whore <laughs> to be friends with Wong. And I'm like, how can you create this character that completely takes everything you're trying to do and throws it in the garbage? Yeah. Because it's like, whoever wrote her obviously made movies in the 1980s. And that was their whole thing with Donnie Blaze was just like they had a, a revolving door of these women. Yeah. That would, that would go through this. And it just happened to be that Madison knew Wong because she ended up on his doorstep. Yeah. And it's like, this isn't funny. I don't know who this is no. for. Um, so episode five is about 
Jen trying to get her identity back while also bouncing back from these bad dates that she's had. Yes. And that's the plot of the episode. There's literally nothing, nothing else. nothing really happens. Oh, wait. No, there is. There's two things. One, there's no end tag suddenly. None. After four episodes of end tags, there's no end tag. What the... Why? Mm. This is the part that gets me irrationally angry. Why? You just... Literally, last episode, you said, wait for the end tag. And now I wait for the end tag the next episode and there's no end tag. Are you doing end tags or are you not doing end tags? Mm-hmm. And then the part of me that just like, <laughs> so I got my vaccine boosters today. Mm. And you know that moment when you're like preparing, but you still don't want to look as the needle goes in. Mm. And then you're like, ah, okay. And then it comes out and you're like, you're fine. You move on. I had that moment when uh, I saw, because one of the things that they tease is that uh, Daredevil's new headpiece is in a hat box that this guy is carrying. And I'm sitting there like, so I knew D was in this. One of the things I was excited for was I thought he was going to be in episode six. And when he wasn't in episode six, I was like, is he going to be in the end tag? And then I looked it up and there's like three more episodes. I, Matt has a guy. (laughs) I don't know how else to put this. Matt has a guy. And that guy is way better than this guy. Yeah. And has also made shit for him before. Also, why would Matt go to this guy to have his costumes made? That makes no fucking sense. Do you care about what you're writing? Or do you just do things because you think it'd be interesting and you know it's going to get a reaction out of me? Because I'm reacting, but I don't like it. (laughs) You know? I'm reacting like when you accidentally make chlorine and breathe it in because you mixed the wrong chemicals. Yeah, there's a reaction. It's not a good one. This just pisses me off. So anyway. See, no, they, they're doing these shows. And once again, they're doing these shows because they don't care how we react to it. No. But what we've discussed before is when the casual audience inevitably taps out, we're the ones that will still be there, yep. but we're not going to be there because of how they're screwing things up. It's, it's like, like I understand you cannot be book to screen perfect. No, that's fine. But when you change major elements of things for no reason other than just because it's easy. And when you have a pathway laid out for you. There's an entire line here that's laid out for you that you can follow. The entire purpose of this becomes we want the audience to remember that Daredevil is in this show because we're five episodes in and there's still no Daredevil. So now we're going to tease that Daredevil is coming. So we need to shoehorn in a way to show that Daredevil is coming. And instead of doing something smart or interesting like Daredevil watching her from the rooftops trying to understand what she's doing or a court case versus Matt Murdock... That so blows my mind. There's nothing. <laughs> We're six episodes in of a legal show with the knowledge that the biggest lawyer in the Marvel Universe is going to be in this show, and he has not been an opposing lawyer yet. Because you don't even need to show him as Daredevil. No. Have an episode. Though even Donnie's stupid Blaze. Yeah. Have him defending Donnie Blaze. Or something. Something. Like, give me... Like, I would just take... That there's, I would take, you know how easy I am at this point? This is how easy I am. I would take a line where they're talking about how there's a bunch of court cases coming up and now the superhero division is getting a lot more attention and way bigger than they thought. And they have like this list 
And she's like looking at the list and she's like, wow, that's a long list. And then she puts it down and she walks out of the room and the camera looks over and looks down the list. And in like three weeks, there's a case, Matt Murdock versus blah, 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 or the people versus blah, 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 represented by Matt, Matt Murdock. Murdock. Yeah. And she has to represent the supervillain who did damage while Matt Murdock is representing all the people that he hurt. Yeah. I would be so righteously excited for that. Yeah. And you're not giving it to me. It makes no sense. You won't give it to it me. No this is, I'm so easy. Listen, I know I wanted Simon Williams. That's a huge ask. Okay. Yeah. I wanted the leader. That's an enormous ask. I wanted Gamma Rope. That was never going to happen. I, give me something. Give yeah. me Matt Murdock on a docket. Give me something, anything. Well, and the funny thing is we're rolling into episode six now. Yeah. Is Every episode of the show, I, a guy I work with, he, he keeps talking to me about the show. And one of the things I said is, it's kind of weird. I don't want to say I hate this show. Because I don't hate I it. I don't. It's a 50%er. That's how I describe exactly. it. There's certain things I enjoy. Yeah. Even some of the dumb parts. I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of amusing. I like the, the, you know, as stupid as the conversation between Pug and, I can't remember her assistant's name. Mm -hmm. um, but they were having this conversation about shoes. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how he likes to have one to look at and one to actually wear. Which was awesome. And I was like, this is good. I like this part. This part's yeah. good. And that's funny. The Avenger stuff was okay. Yeah. It was Fine, but and it's then like the further we went down that road, it got the worse. Episodes as soon as they're done are forgettable. Oh yeah, and they're throwaway. And then you have episode six, which epitomizes that everything. Yeah. If you want to talk about a throwaway episode, this one is throw like absolutely did not need to ever be made. It's it's there because they wanted the shot of She Hulk in a sundress for the trailer, but then the entire. So one of the things that bothers me about the fact that the tags are there and then they're not there is that it's a it's a great rubric to judge the entire show by. Yes. All I want is some level of consistency. I want the characters to consistently do one thing one way yes. or grow in one direction. I don't want them to do one thing one way this episode and then be a totally different person the next episode, which is what you're doing. Yeah. I want some level of consistency. <laughs> so... Jen goes to this wedding, and she's a bridesmaid. And her friend that she hasn't seen since college is like an asshole. Yeah, bridezilla. Well, so, so the the whole point is that for the first time, and this isn't really we don't have an inner monologue kind of thing to explain this to us. Jen wants to be She Hulk, whereas usually she wants to disassociate from She Hulk. Mm -hmm. And so it's a big deal when she kind of lets herself go into She-Hulk form, whereas I'm used to the Jen who identifies as She-Hulk mm -hmm. and doesn't usually go back to Jen very often. Mm -hmm. I like this idea of playing back and forth with, like, Jen's personality versus She-Hulk's personality. I think that, again, you're still missing out because Jen and She-Hulk are essentially the same person. Mm -hmm. What you really need is for She-Hulk to be a much more boisterous version of Jen where everything is cranked because that's what being a Hulk is. Everything is cranked. Mm. So that's what should be happening. It's not happening. <laughs> I don't understand why it's not happening, but you must have a reason. I'm going to leave it to you. I mm. guess. But so Jen shows up as She-Hulk and the bride is like, I don't want you being She-Hulk because it's going to upstage me. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Duh. That's, yeah. That makes sense. And then the entire episode is about how Jen feels out of place because she's not She-Hulk. And she meets a guy who actually likes her for being Jen and stuff is going well. And she's trying to enjoy herself at this 
wedding that she doesn't know anyone at. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's a court case where this guy has married a bunch of people and he's trying to divorce them. Yeah, he's, he's somehow invulnerable. He's he has immortal. some healing factor. I think they refer to him as Mr. Immortal. Yeah. Right? So, but the way he gets out of situations he finds uncomfortable is to kill himself. <laughs> yeah, and, boy. and so, like, that's the court battle that we keep cutting back to, and you're just going back and forth. And then Titania goes to the wedding that Jen's at, yeah. specifically to mess with her, but not really, according to herself in front of everybody. And then, of course, there's a fight, and, of course, Jen had promised not to turn into She-Hulk. So she wouldn't but that have her friend is wasted, and she's so happy. She's so she happy won't. to see her, and I'm just like consistency, yeah. guys. Consistency. See, and this is the thing with this episode. I could care less about mm-hmm. everything that happened with Jen and She-Hulk. Yeah. The part with Mister Immortal that was fun. That was some level of world building. I would have enjoyed to watch just the two of them, minus She-Hulk altogether, mm-hmm. dealing with this guy and like delving deeper into how we con these women. Yeah. Because it was actually an enjoyable character. It was interesting compared yeah, to what we were used interesting. to. Like, it, and I say interesting kind of like with air quotes. It was interesting in the same way that the High Elf from Episode 2, who impersonates Megan yes. Thee Stallion, yes. is interesting it's an interesting concept and it's fun to see this idea from a marvel a very core marvel idea kind of put into this workplace drama yes i like that that's one of the things i like but about then it's this not show. fleshed out enough they never do not anything enough. with it they never do anything with it there's never this like people oscillate strangely between knowing that there are superhumans and being shocked that there are superhumans it just there's again the consistency is not there. Yeah. You don't have this consistent sense that people in the world that you're watching know the full history of the last five years of this universe. Yeah. Last ten years of this universe. Like, there's no excuse for it. No. There should be something here that is consistent with the world that we understand. And instead, you're taking those elements and kind of turning them so that there's a fan service element to it. Oh, Wong's back. Everybody's excited that Wong's back. It gives the show plot armor for a week because everybody's excited about Wong. And, like, I get it. It's interesting. How about you take the actual ramifications of your actions within the world and address them as part of, you know, the societal change that knowing there are aliens and half the population being destroyed and five years passing and the needs of population coming back, the needs that that presents and all these other things that were finally talked about briefly in Falcon Winter Soldier are just like I'm. I'm notorious for my survey. I want to hand out a survey to everybody who comes into one of these shows and be like, what have you been doing for the last five years? Snap or no snap is the first question. And it makes me crazy when they won't address it, which is what they've been doing this entire fucking phase. This is like the, the, the extreme of that. Oh yeah. Where it's just like, it's, it didn't happen. It effectively did not happen. Yeah. But we want you to think that there are superhumans in a large amount of the population, in terms of like the ratio of like regular humans to superhumans, we want you to think that there's more superhumans than there normally would be, which is none. But we don't want to actually allude to anything that's happened in the universe unless we think it can get us fans. But then the only thing that can get us fans is things that have faces. Yeah. <laughs> if that thing has a face, we can bring it back and allude to it in some capacity. If that thing doesn't have a face, we're not going to talk about it at all. Yeah. Even if... The entire plot of our show at the time is hugely hinged on referencing and understanding what's happened in this universe. Yeah. It makes me so angry and so crazy. And that's why it's a 50 percent for me. Because like 
as good as some of the things are, as fun as some of the things are, can't. I can't with this shit. This shit always makes me crazy. It's like how Miss Marvel was terrible at superhero stuff, but good at other stuff. This is just like even further growth of that, where it's like there's just not superhero stuff. Yeah. There's just not superhero stuff for entire episodes. And it's just like, no, you know, like, that was kind of one of the things I came here for was the superhero stuff. Yeah. I didn't come here for an Ally McBeal workplace comedy drama that takes place in a universe that kind of sometimes has superheroes. I came here for the superhero stuff. Yeah. So your wrecker better be 6'5 and burly as hell. All right, he should terrify most grown men. Mm-hmm. Okay, he should look like an MMA fighter. Okay, shouldn't be this. <laughs> this is wrong. This very See, wrong. What I'm worried about, what's going to happen with the wrecking crew you brought up, Rucker, mm-hmm. is they're going to do some kind of a CGI, almost like what happened with Rocksteady and Bebop in, t- in the second Teenage Mutant. Where they're going to get bigger, have them get bigger, and they're going to be all CGI'd up, and it's just like it's, something's going to happen. It's going to be like a mystical thing that's going to get them to transform. Which, like, fine because their powers are based on mysticism, but they should have been enhanced the moment they picked up the weapons. Exactly. Also, is this going to make Thunderball a black guy? Me thinks no. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a problem. If you ever want to bring that back up, I'm still waiting for an answer on that one from a few weeks ago. Yeah, I don't get it. It's it's not good. It's bad, man. So we got three more episodes. Let's hope. I hope Matt Murdock is a significant part of every episode because that's the only See, thing that's going to save though, me. What I'm worried about, though, is he, like, I think about Daredevil and I think about incredibly dark, solid drama. Yeah. And this show is 1,000% not that. No. And it's like, how are you going to... They're going to do something so tongue-in-cheek and silly with him, and it's going to just make me so pissed off. Well, that's that's what goes back to that idea of changing Dee Dee's costumer. Yeah. Is you suddenly get into this situation where we had established this stuff, and now you're showing that you don't care. Mm-hmm. What else don't you care about? I'm very curious to find out what else you don't care about because a lot of things that I really care about, you really don't seem to care that much about. So I'd really like a a firm and solid answer on, do you care? Both the showrunners for Star Wars, mind you, take out Andor and The Mandalorian. Showrunners for Star Wars shows and movies and for Marvel right now only care about money. No, that's the only thing they care about. And they're making everything as... Friendly as possible to everybody, even though you gotta stick to the canon. Yeah. You, you gotta try your best to stick to the canon. Meet me halfway. Exactly. I'm not asking for Gamma World. I think Gamma World would be the best story you could do for this situation. It just makes sense. All the threads line up. There's a cause and effect ratio. You have Emil Blonsky on site already. Mm-hmm. Just the leader would be a perfect villain. Someone someone that She-Hulk has to battle mentally more than physically. Mm-hmm. There's so many reasons to do it. But you're not going to do Gamma World. Fine. Meet me halfway. Well, that's kind of why I'm curious that the first time we're going to see the leader in his full splendor is going to be in the new Captain America. That's one of the things that concerns me. That's going to be interesting. Is... Like, I'm wondering what role is he going to play. Yeah. I'm worried. And also... And we know Hulk is off-planet now. Yeah. And he hasn't come back yet. No. And that might be one of those things where he's off-planet and then we don't find out what he's doing until, you know, two movies from now. And it's just... It turns out he's been on an envoy mission with Captain Marvel somewhere. Um, And then Captain Marvel weirdly disappears and shows up in a Jersey City 
house for reasons I that I still I still don't understand. I still have digestion problems because of that show. I'm still so baffled by their decisions on that. Okay. Okay. So we need to move on to Lord of the Rings. Yes, we do because so we're we already an hour into this show. Yeah, we have the first four episodes of Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yes, you can wake up from your your nap now. Good morning. <laughs> I need to give you my opinion first because yes. I've been waiting to give this opinion. Yes. Okay. Visually, I don't know if I've seen a better looking TV show in my entire life. Uh-huh. You can obviously tell they threw a ton of money at it. Unbelievably beautiful. And every episode has bored the shit out of me. <laughs> it is just the most boring fucking show. Mm-hmm. And I have tried, I have rewatched each episode a second time because episode one, three, and four, the first time I watched it, I fell asleep during it. Oh, wow. Because it's just like, dude, it's like kind of like the complaint a lot of people have with the movies is they're so long and boring and whatnot, which I don't think that with the movies, Mm -hmm. but I like, okay, the complaint you had, I could see that in the show. Yeah. Just because like, I'm constant, I'm not really involved in the characters. Mm -hmm. I hate the fact that they have to have another reluctant human male who doesn't want to be king. Yeah, they're it's just like, picking that right up. Why the up. fuck you gotta do that? The king again. of Mordor. And not only that, you're making him a love interest, quotation, quotation figures, marks. for Glandria, who's yeah. supposed to be this incredibly immortal badass, who now is like, tied to a male penis. And it's like, dude, stop doing that. She hasn't been much of a badass yet, either. No, I, she was in the first episode. Like, they showed her like, doing the fighting, and then yeah. she's leading the army, and it's like, dude, she's a bad. And now she's like, I'm just gonna walk around in a flowy dress, and I'm gonna flirt with this male. It's like, no! She is like the most badass female fighter. I keep on waiting. I mean, she's clearly not going to go all out, but I keep on waiting for the one of the few scenes in uh, the the Battle of Five Armies that I really like, like as a five star. Oh, for where me, they're fighting is when they're fighting the the necromancer. Yeah, and she fucking rips shit. Yeah, and I just keep waiting for that every time she goes into court. I'm just like, how is it this? For reference, the, the the plot of Galadriel is that she is the head of the elven army and she is convinced that Mordor is not gone. Yes. Mordor has been defeated and seemingly gone for a thousand years. And I'm sorry. The king of the elves is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. And I, the first time I saw him... <laughs> is that him, who he is? That's who he is. So the first time I saw him, I looked at Audrey because we had both seen that movie. I'm like, that's fucking Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. My that's first, Abraham Lincoln. My first thought was... Bold move, giving an elf a mullet. That's yeah. a bold move. Um, but it's fucking Abraham Lincoln is running the elves. Yeah. Period. So, of the story. so Galadriel is convinced that Mordor is not gone. The elves are all like, nah, Mordor's gone. But they also know that it's not. Well, Mordor hasn't become a thing yet in this movie. Right? No, exactly. It's just Sauron. It's just Sauron's force. It's Sauron and whoever was... Sauron was the general yeah, of... of uh, I can't. What was uh, Morgoth? Morgoth. Morgoth. Yes. And so Morgoth and Sauron were defeated. Everyone thinks Sauron's gone, but since Sauron killed Glandria's brother, she believes he's still around. Around, and she keeps finding these symbols. Yeah. His symbol, which ends up being the map, map of, of Mordor, Mordor, which I was like, all right, all right. Um, but it, it's like, so she, <laughs> this plot that seems to be going in a direction is immediately thrown off course because she's going to go to the gray havens and be retired back in the gray havens and the 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 very last moment that she possibly can she jumps off the boat and so now i i literally turned to kelly as the moment was happening i was like 
So is she going to swim back? Like, what's the what's the plan here? Cause she's yeah, because she's not going to go. Because in the beginning, they talk about how far yeah. it is from Valinor to yeah. Middle Earth. So I was just like, is this... Is she going to swim back? And that's basically what episode two is, is that she's shipwrecked and trying to survive. Yeah. And then episode three is that they're picked up by Numenorians, the men of Numenor, and brought back to this, this haven. Yeah. And she is trying to convince the court for the next two episodes to follow her oh into this God. war with Mordor. And I'm just like, it just is this, it's not even the call to adventure denied. It's Galadriel goes to a wall and says, you need to do this. And the, like the Monty Python guy at the top of the wall is like, I will fart in your general <laughs> direction. <laughs> like it's, that's it, that's it for two episodes. And it's just like, all right, it's not bad. It's not bad. The writing, I do like kind of the flow of the, the language. I think that they do capture that pretty well. I don't think that it's as as well done as... What's the name of the woman that wrote the scripts with Peter Jackson? Fran Walsh Fran and Walsh, Philip yes. Boyens. Okay. Both of them. Yes. Um, it does not have the same musicality and flow as their dialogue does. It feels a little modern at times. Mm-hmm. It feels like someone trying to update a Shakespearean script a little bit. But the effort is actually there. And I do... I like the show I think about like 70 percent i think like 70 percent of the show i like that's pretty good yeah it's not a 50 50 which is great because so many of the shows i've watched this year have been 50 50s this is good it's not lord of the rings good but it's not bad i just again my my issue becomes this question of i know they're changing things so i can't help but wonder that that nagging question that marvel has put in the back of my mind is is this better than what the original was because i this does not have the tolkien flair this does not have that kind of this feeling of momentum and movement and purpose within the story and the ideas of things coming together naturally it doesn't have a tolkien kind of feel to the storytelling it's just not quite there it's not bad but it's not there so i'm gonna work my way backwards with some of the stuff you said Mm -hmm. um as far as the writing goes i feel like so the Peter Jackson movies, they have like a pretty solid, they have like a range for people, you know? They yeah. all have, for the most part, a lot of them speak very similarly, you know, very almost like Shakespearean in a way. One thing that Rings of Power does, and this is both, this both heightens it and also detracts from it, is I feel like when they were writing it, they were like, all right, we're going to make these characters and each of these different races very personified for their race. Mm. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's what I kind of feel like what you mean with it not having the same kind of flow is because it's really like, you know, when you're playing a D and D group and you have people as like all these different races, you're, you're not like <laughs> speaking in the same genre, you know. The dwarves are very dwarvy. Yeah, the and dwarves the elves are very, very elvy. Yeah, the the elves are very prissy and mm-hmm. stuck up and full of themselves, and the men are very yeah. like, "Woe is us! We worked really hard for this." And the hobbits are doing something. The hobbits are the part that I always forget about, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is happening." Yeah, there's the, some of the mixed feelings on the fandom side of things about the hobbits is the accents particularly are throwing people off part of it is because most of them are speaking in 
um, traditionally Irish accents. Yeah. And it's like a little bit racist when you remember, you know, Tolkien was British and mm. the British and the Irish have their own, you know, relationship. So it's kind of like poking fun at hobbits that they're like simple folk mm. and that's not getting received I very well. I see that. Mm. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's fun. See, my big detraction is the thing that connects me so much with the movies is you care about the fellowship. You, mm-hmm. you care about Every one of those characters, you can connect with those characters. I don't give a shit about any of these characters. The only one I truly love is Princess Disa, who is Durin's wife. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. She's awesome. She's the best she's part the of the show. And I want to see more of, like, I want to see more of that, where you have a character who's, she's torn because she appreciates Elrond. Mm-hmm. And she kind of is on his side, but she also want, needs to side with her husband. And yeah. so there's that deception. And what was it, episode three, where she yeah. lies to him, but then she, she feels bad. She actually apologizes to him. And it's like, her character is so great. And yeah. I'm like, I want more of that. But then you go back to the storyline with um, Aaron Deer, who's the elf. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, I, I don't really give a shit about him. Yeah, so, there's, so you have a few different storylines. You have Elrond, who... Uh, is very close with Galadriel. I thought he was her son, but I guess not. Son-in-law. Son-in-law. Yeah. Um, down so, the road. So you have, he's been charged with helping to build the tower that will inevitably be used to make the elven rings. Yes. And so to do this, he goes to the dwarves because he's friends with Durin. Durin. You know, Durin's day, Durin. Yeah. <laughs> and th- there's this whole dynamic where he hasn't been around for a long time, so Durin's angry at him. And meanwhile, the dwarves are trying to hide something. And it's it's interesting. I like it. I will say some of the dwarf effects, especially like the beards, especially Durin's beard, doesn't look great yeah. all the time. I'm thinking like the part right under his mm. nose sticks out in a really weird, distracting that way. That floating lip problem that yeah. a lot of CG has. Yeah, so it, it's not always great. Um, it's, Which, it's fine. It, I wish they would have delved more into that because I like when Durin explains why he's mad he's like it's been what 20 years since Mm -hmm. you've seen me and elrond's like an elf 20 years is like a day Mm -hmm. it's nothing to us it's nothing so i apologize he missed what the birth of his children missed my wedding you missed my the birth of my two children like that was an interesting thing to and they go away from that yeah they kind of touch on it through it so fast so fast which it feels weird after all this lead up of Elrond getting cap- captured. Or yeah, something. he kind of yeah. he he agrees. The only way Durin will see him is that he calls for oh, a yeah. strength challenge. Yes, yeah. and so Durin breaking rocks. Yes, Which Durin. Is great. That, that was, was a great awesome. scene. I like that scene a lot. Yeah. Um, I I like the dwarf stuff. I think most out of all the storylines, the dwarf stuff is the stuff I find the most interesting. They've just discovered Mithril. They're trying to figure yeah. out how they can mine it. It's a really interesting storyline that I don't think we're actually going to spend that much time nope. on. But it's definitely the most interesting thing that's happening. See, I agree with that, except for I don't necessarily, even though I like him and I think he's doing a fine job, I don't necessarily like the casting of Elrond mm-hmm. because Hugo Weaving has such a unique face that I think they needed to find an actor that just had a little, he is just a pretty British guy. See, this is my yeah. thing. Is that you know I, what I, mean? I kind of like that because I've never liked Hugo Weaving as Elrond. Oh, see, I, I get I get that from my mother. Where okay. when uh, Lord of the Rings first came out and we saw it in theaters, my mom and my older brothers, their running joke was Mister Frodo because Matrix had just come out. Oh. So Mister Anderson, 
And every time, Mr. Frodo. But see, like, that's the thing with me. That's why I loved him so much is he has, as an actor, the gravitas to pull off Mm -hmm. that level of character. He's the highest of high elves. Yeah. Yeah. And he's freaking older than dirt, so he's not going to look great. He's not going to sound great. He's thousands of years old. It's like, come on. I just think that this guy, again, kind of going into the, the very stereotypical, like, this is what an elf looks like. Oh, he fits the series. This guy looks like an elf. Yeah, so I kind of like it for that. He's a good actor. Yeah. And he's, he is a good actor. I find yeah. him to be one of the more compelling characters in the show, honestly. Well, That's partially because I, I, I like Elrond. But... And you you tagged it. The the whole thing with Elrond and the dwarves is the only storyline I truly like. Yeah. The other ones. Yeah. And hilariously, it's not a storyline that Tolkien went into in detail, yeah. actually. Yeah. Which is great. Which is true. But that's how the best adaptations are, is you take the kernel of the idea that the author had, and you say, I like that idea. Let me try and organically grow it. And you spend time, you water, and you make sure that's okay. It's like a bonsai tree. you got to yeah, let it grow. you get three Hobbit movies when that happens. No. That's what happens when you put it in a really expensive garden, and you that's just true. shove it into the dirt, and then you put like lots and lots of farm-grade manure over it. And you're C- like, grow for me, baby. CGI manure. CGI yeah. manure. Um, no, I... I I do like the men of Numenor. I think that's a really fun, interesting storyline. Yeah, going back to talking about how beautiful this show is. Oh my god! The the city of that all the Numenorians are in. Yeah, is just like it. It's it's pornographic almost. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And it's very reminiscent of Gondor. So I'm yeah. wondering, does yeah. Gondor use that as like a? Because I'm assuming Gondor hasn't been they're, built yet. There Gondor, are influences. I think Gondor are the men of Numenor, aren't they? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Because um, I, I can't remember whether it's it has to be Aragorn. Yeah, Aragorn is... Aragorn is a man of Numenor. Numenor. Numenor yeah. yeah. So Gondor probably has a connection then. It's got to. king of Gondor. Because everything, like the, the the whole peak area of the top where the tr- white tree is and mm-hmm. everything, it's like straight it's out straight of Gondor. Well, it's a lord. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but that... <laughs> speaking of the white tree, I do love... Um, so in episode four, the queen of the Numenor the is, um, finally is like, fine, we'll go to war with Mordor or not Mordor or Sauron or whatever you want to call it. We'll go to war with, we'll start our own war on terror. The, the reason she finally decides to join is because the petals of the tree that was given to them by literal gods and never sheds its petals starts just like raining petals over yeah. the city. And I turned to Kelly and I'm like, It'd be like if there was a huge climate summit in Brazil and at the end of the climate summit, everybody decided, now we're going to give it 10 years, see what happens. And they walk out and the giant statue of Jesus is literally weeping. (laughs) And it's like, we got to do something about this, don't we? And then also the vision she had of the tidal wave, which is like, oh, okay. Yeah. Something bad is coming. Yeah. It's really coming. It's, it's interesting. It, I will say the parts of the Numenor stuff are interesting. Yes. I think it's a it's a dynamic move to do Elendil and Isildur as lead characters. One of the things that I do find irritating at this point is that we, we have, in the first episode, we meet like five core characters that we're going to follow throughout the, the course of the show. Yes. And then over the time, we're introduced to more characters. And then... We get to this point of diminishing returns where it's like, okay, so we know Galadriel, and then we meet Haldar, Halbard. Halbrand? Halbrand. Yep. And then we meet Elendil, and then we meet Isildur, and then we meet Elendil's daughter, and then we meet Elendil's daughter's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't care 
I don't care. And we're spending a lot of time on this, and I don't care. Mm. I'm, I'm in the camp of don't care on this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to talk about about the show? Going back to oh, Elf Boy's name. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost Aragorn. Name. It's like um, it's uh, Aaron Deer. Aaron Deer. Aaron Deer. Oh. Go fetch the water for me. Yeah. Which uh, I, and I like how he looked. Like his yeah, look is the, great. This is my problem. The character is really cool, and like he's doing cool stuff, and then he gets captured. And I feel like it goes really downhill from there. Yeah. Because, first of all, it's enough of a controversy with, as we've been talking earlier, about, you know, stupid people that complain about Ariel being black. All the people complaining about there being black elves and men and, you know, just characters existing in this universe. Because, hey, it's 2022. And we realize that's a problem. Yeah. But you're, you're going to have... You know, an elf who is definitely not white as a leading character. And what do you do? You throw him into a slave camp. That looks really good, right? No. You throw him into a slave camp after giving him a white woman to be in love with. It's like, dude, what are you doing? One of the issues in the camp that really struck me was how bad the CGI Oh, some yeah. of the things were because there's oh my the, god the warg. There's the this, warg. It's disgusting. Bad. It was really bad. Yeah, it was really bad. It was. It was one of those things where there's this big fight scene where they're trying to break out. And did you notice, you watched it twice, yes. where the elves that Arendir meets in the camp, the watch commander from the tower that he was talking to the episode before? I believe so. Because I thought so, but I couldn't really tell because we I only met him the one was, time. Yeah. I believe so. So I was. thought that was what they were going for, but I couldn't quite tell. So now the implication is because we're told by Arendir. That if what's going on is he's basically left the elf camp yes. and everybody's probably looking for him. And then apparently all the orcs found all the elves while and they, they were, were looking captured. for him yeah. because everybody's yeah. in the camp now. Like they all got acclimated to that camp like real fast. Real fast. Like that's what happened. And it, it just like, so then there's this breakout and this war gets released. And at first I thought the war was claymation because it looked like it was dropping frames. Yeah. I don't think it is. I think it's CGI. And it just looks really bad. They needed yeah. to re-render that bad boy. It was yeah. not good. It literally looks like there's frames dropping out in its movement. Where sometimes the movement just looks really jerky like claymation and stop motion can. Uh-huh. Where it just it looks like you you went too far. And going in, continuing with that scene, how the scene ends, or not the scene, how that whole storyline ends of the camp. Where Adar, who's the father of the orcs, yeah. releases him. And then he just kind of just shows up to save... The, the, the boy, son. yeah. And it's like, no one is like, there's no like, oh, where you been? Or he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I got a big message. It's a big depressing message. But it's like, he just shows up. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm there, out of the camp. I'm there, here. I got all my weapons. Yeah, there was a little deus ex elfula yeah. there of just like, he shows up at just the moment that the boy yeah. needs him. The boy, Theo. I was like, oh, you have all these names and then there's Theo. And Theo's yeah, yeah. friend, who's basically named Wade. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he's he's at this camp for, I don't know, I'm assuming a few days at it least. It seems. He's at this camp for a few days. He's been beaten. He's been tortured. But then when he shows up, he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm I haven't elf. eaten in four I'm days, but let me, yeah. let me fight. I mean, he is an elf. Yeah. He, he I doesn't need some sprout. I'll be fine. Yeah. But uh, he, I, I found it very interesting because I get the idea mm. that you want. We, we've had this concept that 
Legolas isn't necessarily outside the realm of what an average elf warrior could be. Mm-hmm. So I understand the idea that these guys could be just as good as Legolas. But I just felt like, especially in that first fight scene where he's like dancing on ropes and stuff, I was like, I don't know that you've earned this. Yeah. This doesn't this feels unnatural at this point. I don't yeah. I don't see this and be like, okay, especially since it seems like they should be able to easily outmaneuver the orcs that have taken oh, them yeah. captive. Absolutely. Because like it just it doesn't it doesn't quite add to one cohesive idea i like the idea of the southlands i like the idea of exploring the people that lived where mordor will be i have one really big question though um we've been going around the southlands a lot we've seen a lot of big wide scaping shots and horizons and i can't help but notice there's no mount doom yeah i'm a little uh concerned i think is the right word there's no mount doom so is Sauron going to cast a spell that raises Mount Doom in the middle of the Southlands? Because I, I feel like it should be here somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Like, to me, this series is at a tipping point. Mm-hmm. I am so far underwhelmed, and it either is going to continue along this path to where the storylines just do not grip me, mm-hmm. and they're, the characters just are not anything that I'm interested in, or it starts to ramp up. And I'm really hoping it starts to ramp up because they did throw a lot of money at this and I do want to love this show. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, is it boring as fuck. Yeah, I, that's how I feel about the Harfoot stuff. Yeah. Is that the Harfoot stuff is interesting in concept, but again, and we've talked about this, there's not quite a one-to-one thing. Yeah. They talk a lot about no one gets left behind. And then... They have an entire ceremony about all the people that got left behind. Left behind. And it's Oh yeah, the the comparison we made was um the hypocrisy of like religious trauma. So like with you know, Christians and Catholics, yeah. they're like, Oh, we're everyone's neighbor and we have to help each other and we can't judge and then like we all know for real they can sometimes be the worst. The most judgmental motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. So it really feels like that yeah. to me yeah which that first scene of the hobbit children when they're picking the fruit oh that was interesting so... it was interesting until the warg shows up because that's what was on top of yeah. the rocks and then doesn't doesn't do go anything. after him it never comes up ever again like everything we've seen a warg in all of the movies and series they're pretty fast yeah and it's like these children get back to camp and no like I was expecting something almost like Willow, yeah, to where the, the dog Lord follows the camp. Yeah. yeah, you know what it is? It's that as early hobbits, uh, hobbits have really high stealth. So I can only assume that these Harfoots are also very stealthy. <laughs> but I can understand the stealth. Them. But you think the war can smell them though? And well, the problem I don't is. Know. Well, doesn't the warg notice them? Don't we see the warg looking down on them from the cliff? It's not just that the warg is on the cliff. It's see, that the warg is think, looking over the cliff. I don't know if you necessarily see him looking at them. Mm. But it's up there. Yeah. But you're assuming that it can... He- like, they notice that something is They leave wrong. immediately. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't... I like the Harfoot stuff. I think the Harfoot stuff is the closest to a 50-50 split that we get. We're like... They're doing this thing, and again, this is one of those questions I have, is how organic is this versus how forced is this? They're doing this thing where we find out why Gandalf loves the Hobbits so much, and it's because when Gandalf fell to Earth, because uh, wizards are basically angels, he 
is found by the hobbits and is saved by one hobbit in particular who's ironically named nori which will be a name yeah. that kind of comes up a lot later on yeah so that was an interesting choice uh it, it you know it's just everything about it is yeah. interesting i don't it's not quite there and they do this thing that really annoys me this is just a, a filmmaking issue but like they they almost seem to have this feeling of like we spent money on this effect we better show it a lot but unfortunately the effects are often people being mutilated in one form or another so it's like we spent all this money on this effect to make this harfoot dad's foot bend all the way around because he breaks his ankle and it's like we're going to show it in the previously on we're going to show it all the fucking time and it's like you don't have to <laughs> we both looked away because we couldn't because it's an ongoing sequence yeah and it's just like jesus christ you don't have to show the close-up like this is the nfl this is and even the nfl they'll show it once and then not show it again the sports but this center will show it forever yeah that's true yeah that's sports center they're yeah. evil empire yeah all right well uh, we're, fingers crossed i hope it gets better as we get closer to this idea of the southlands falling because i think that's Ultimately, what's going to be the most interesting mm-hmm. thing out of all of those storylines is the idea of the fall of the Southland and how Elendil becomes a king. Mm-hmm. Because right now he is not a king. No. <laughs> he's he's a nobleman, I think. is That was the other thing that bothers me, is that they talk a lot about the politics of Numenor yes. without explaining the politics of Numenor. So Isildur doesn't want to be in the navy like everybody does because all all these men typically grow up dreaming of being Mm -hmm. in the navy and he wants to go to the western part of the isle like his older brother and elendil snaps and goes crazy at this notion and i'm just like this doesn't mean anything to me i i need more context is it is he gonna become a monk Mm -hmm. is this like a priest thing is it going to be that both your sons are going to go celibate? I don't know what this is. Yeah. I'm not sure what this means. This doesn't mean anything to me. So, like, you need to do a better job of helping me understand because right now I'm just guessing at a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that can be kind of fun, but it's not how great storytelling is done. Yeah. Well, let's hope. Yeah, Fingers let's hope. crossed. Do you have any closing words that you want to throw in? No. Anything else that bothered you? Do you like Gladriel? Do you think that she's pretty good as far as the actress goes? I do. I I like that some of the, a couple of the things I really enjoy is particularly her costuming. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like armor that she's in in that one scene. Oh, I love that armor. They they released one photo of that, and this cosplayer recreated that full suit of armor for I think it was San Diego, mm-hmm. which is just oh the power of cosplayers. Yeah. First of all, but there's also the scene. Where she's kind of sneaking around Numenor. Mm. She's in a white dress with like a blue, almost like robe kind of a thing. Mm. Which is very much a throwback to a costume that Galadriel has in Fellowship of the Ring. That's right. Which is excellent. Yeah. Just to go into that further, the costuming in this show, as part of all the visual elements, is just in like the dwarves alone. Yeah. They just hit the nail on the head so well. The only thing that's missing from the dwarves is that some the of the dwarf dwarven women, women should have beards. Yes. They should have beards. That's the only thing is that they're, we, we've seen enough dwarf women. Some of them should have beards. Yes. That, that's the whole joke that we talk about is that 
you can't tell the difference between them because the women have beards too. And you can do yep. so much cool stuff with that and you don't and it's a missed opportunity. Have you ever seen a woman that has a beard and what she does with it? It's incredible. It's yeah, incredible. I have a lot of Italian ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> I have nightmares of my great grandmother getting shaved. I'm so. just thinking of that the the supermodel that has the the hair disorder, so her hair grows really fast, so she has like oh, she has a know. full beard. Do you know this woman? I don't, but I'm going to look that yeah. up. That's interesting. But yeah, uh, I I hope the show turns it around plot-wise, because I do agree. The art style is great. I do really like the art style. The The episode at sea was not as great no. because there wasn't a lot there. So you got like, the introduction of the dwarves, and that part was great. But there was also just a lot of time spent out at yeah. sea and in camps. You know, what, and... you know what my fear is to close off with? Yeah. My fear is that... They're going to end this season expecting to get a second season, mm-hmm. which I don't think they've confirmed. No, nope, they haven't confirmed yet. Um, and they're going to get to a point where it's literally like, this is just too expensive to make a season two, yeah. which is very likely. But see, I I think they would have to, though, because they spent all that money to get the rights. So, I think they would have to, unless they convert it over to doing like animated or something. Yeah, part of the thing with that, because there's also that animated... Uh, Rohan show that's going to come out. Which oh, is I forgot about that. That's going to yeah. be dope. But with this season, the agreement was they had to make it within a certain amount of time. Oh. So I'm wondering if they end up doing a season two, if they would have that same constraint and Amazon is going to be like, inflation strapped for cash. We don't know if we want to commit to this. Or like, I also wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those things where Amazon puts it on the shelf for like three years and then three mm. years from now, they're like, Rings of Power Season 2 is coming out. And everyone's going to be like, why? Why? And it's also going to be this very rushed kind of pushed out thing and it's not going to happen. Which I am kind of sad that we just found out today that The Witcher Season 3 isn't coming out until summer next year. Really? Summer 2023. Ugh. At least it's not 2024. No, it's not 2024. There's a lot of projects that have been announced where they're like, isn't this cool? And I'm like, it comes out in 2025. Yeah, I'm not going to get excited about it. So I have one last thing that I don't know if you guys agree with this on me. One last thing that I just thought of that really I think is what's keeping me disconnected from this show. The music is nowhere near as good as the movies. And the music in those movies makes the movie as much as the story and the acting. Howard Shore did the opening number, the Uh opening credits song. I don't think he did any of the other music. He did not. Yeah. It just, the music in those movies is some of the best ever in cinema. You know what it is? And I talked about this during our Lord of the Rings episode. Mm. The characters don't have their own... That's true. Themes or motifs. None of them. carry through. Galadriel might have one, but I think she would be the only character. Yeah. I think all the dwarves have one motif. And it's a missed opportunity, since you got Howard Shore involved in the first place, it's a missed opportunity to have not gone through and gotten the rights to use some of those motifs. Exactly. Yeah. That he created. Yeah. Like, the opening music to fellowship of the ring you can't tell me you couldn't have put that somewhere in the show mm-hmm. because they, as much as i hate fan service music is so impactful it's like the harry potter thing yeah you cannot hear that theme and nothing harry potter. it's arguably the most iconic soundtrack of the 21st century what lord of the rings yeah oh absolutely it like you can just you hear like three bars of it and you're like oh there's a lord like, of the rings. i don't buy soundtracks mm-hmm. i own the soundtrack to not only the lord of the rings but the hobbit movie also because those soundtracks are fantastic yeah mm-hmm. It's like, the music is as important, and it's just not gripping me. But you know what? I think that also goes into how they were a little bit rushed. That's Mm -hmm. true. And that's what worries me, is this this idea of setting strict timelines on how long it's going to take to make this thing. Whereas, you know, I don't, you know this more than I, I I feel like 
uh, New Line didn't sit there and say to Peter Jackson, hey, you got to have this thing done by... They did for certain things. Mm -hmm. But the thing with the music was Howard Shore was able to go in and, you know, score everything Mm -hmm. in advance. But when they were actually recording, you know, they had like an edited version of the film with them to make sure they were hitting those beats like musically Mm -hmm. so that's why the it's so good because the music is like lining up with what's happening on screen i don't think they did that with this no i don't think that was the technique we were going for this feels like one of those situations where they're like well our budget isn't a movie budget it's a movie budget but we have to stretch it out over x amount of time they scored it in advance musically uh, and then they, when they were going back and editing, and they were like, "Well, it may not necessarily fit, but this is what we're going with. This is what we got because we don't have time. This yeah. is the music that we got. This is what we're going with. This is the Numenorean theme. We're just gonna use it here. We're not it hides. It hides in the background. It, that's a Feel great way of putting so. it. That's the that's exactly how to put it. Is that instead of amplifying and raising what's going on mm-hmm. on screen, you don't even notice that's yeah. there. Yeah. And I, I kind of hope for a season two they follow the Stranger Things. Just um, fill it premise. with pop music? No. But <laughs> well, can you imagine? Do five two hour long oh, that'd be good, yeah. movie episodes. Yeah, that would be better. That'd that would be, be so much better because yeah. then you could kind of create these storylines that keep you engaged mm-hmm. to where that's. And it also forces you to trim the storylines that aren't as engaging exactly. that in a TV show you're kind of beholden to because you kind of need that stretch a little yep. bit. It, they're, the stuff with the Harfoots, the stuff at times with the Southland, that stuff feels like it's a little bit of that stretch where it's just like we don't quite have enough. We're going to just stick this gum in here yeah. and kind of stretch this out yeah. just a little this bit. This is our filler plot. Yeah. And we got to get out to 60 minutes on the entire oh episode. Oh, my God. And it's Speaking like, of 60 minutes, yeah, we're, we're at, at- we're at almost two hours. We're, We're at two hours. Point. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been a very jam-packed episode 71 of NerdPod Generations. We would like to thank Kelly for yeah. joining in our conversations. Happy Not to be here. only with Disney, but with Lord of the Rings. Yes. Our resident. Once again, I don't think we could ever talk Lord of the Rings without you no. being part. You I need to be not. part of the, yeah. every Lord of the Rings discussion. Yes. So I hope you're ready for the next few weeks because you're going to be... Guessing. There'll be a lot yeah. quicker because we're only doing <laughs> we'll one only, episode per episode. We'll now, only so. have one episode, so it'll only take about 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> As yeah. opposed to 45. Oh, God, no. Yeah. But yeah, so once again, ladies and gentlemen, NerdPod Generations, episode 71. Please come back for next week because we are going to briefly talk about She-Hulk. Briefly really talk episode. about Lord of the Rings episode 5, yeah. but then we have Andor to go fully into four episodes to talk about. Yeah, there's going to be a I lot. I cannot freaking wait for that, folks. Um, so please go, if you have not watched either of these three shows, at least watch Andor um, to catch up, to listen to what we have to talk about next week. Because, once again, spoilers are abound. I don't know if you can tell by this episode, we spoiled everything. I should have led with that, but everything is spoils. Spoils of war. The, the best spoilers are always given after the spoiler. Yes. You know? And here's a spoiler. We will be back next week. We will be back next week. I don't care if the plague has fully overtaken both of us. We will yeah. find a way to record. Because I, I need this. Thing. I just got my booster and my, my flu shot. And before this, I hadn't gotten sick for two years. And then I rode the trains in New York for three days. And there you go. That'll do it. <laughs> Sitting in those urine-soaked seats. Can't beat that. I miss the subway a little bit. A little bit. I, I you know? I, well, I realized today that I missed the subway like I missed the 2010s. I hated using them. I hated experiencing them. I hated having to go through them. They were the worst pain of my life. There were so many moments I absolutely loathed. At the end of every trip, I was like, this is the worst trip I've ever had. 
But there is a little part of me that kind of misses it now that I'm not doing it all the yeah, time. Exactly. I kind of miss the 2010s, just like a little bit, just yeah. a little bit. Not a lot. Not a lot. Well, to end it on that note, folks, this has been episode 71 of NerdPod Generations. Please, once again, go check us out on YouTube. Um, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone about this show. Make sure to let them know they can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, make sure to give us a like. You can even give us a review on them, and that Ooh. would be lovely. We would enjoy that. We can use that as our comment section. There you go. We can yeah. do any of them. Up. Um, tell us if, what we're doing wrong. Tell us why we're wrong about listen, all this stuff. We're right about everything. I'm just saying. There's We've changed be, minds and hearts. There's got to be someone who's not a filthy casual who watches <laughs> She-Hulk and is like, no, but you're missing like this, this, and this. And exactly. I'm like, I need someone to come and tell me that because I'm missing it. Oh, yeah. And we'll tell you, folks. <laughs> yeah. We'll tell you everything. So once again, if you want to know about us Personally, you can look me up at staylorbooks.com. You can look me up at jutsumstudios.work under the Bronx Division tab. And we'll see you next week, we ladies and gentlemen. We will see you next week. Did you? You didn't have anything you wanted to plug, right? Nope. Okay. Then we'll see you next week, friends Peace and enemies. Well, friends and enemies, this is our friend coming to you. Uh, there, I want to drop in and let you know that there's a lot of background in this episode. It was very unavoidable. Some of it's really cute, like my dog making noises as he plays and uh, tumbles around and gets drinks in the in the living room while we're recording. So it's less cute, like uh, car alarms. So I just wanted to say heads up. Um, also, we're back, and we'll see you soon. Bye.